Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Kevin Kaufman, your host of the Kevin and Fred Next Level Agents podcast, the real estate podcast that brings you short business tips and tricks, as well as in-depth interviews with some of our industry's leading minds. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Chris Lindahl, the man behind the billboard. What is going on, my friend? What's shaking? Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, I'm so pumped that we could uh, that we could get this going today, and uh, that our calendars could sync up so we could have this chat. So, hey, dude, um, first of all, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you. I know you're super busy. You got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, you run a massive business. You got the behind the billboard thing going on, amongst so many other things. So, first of all, my appreciation to you for for taking the time. I really yeah yeah appreciate it for having me, man. Appreciate. I, it. I love the way you're willing to give back to other agents uh, in our industry and. For me, that's the whole reason why this podcast started was I get to have some really cool conversations and I know I know you do too. Like I think of the room that you and I were both in in Vegas recently for a mastermind and not everybody in our industry gets to have those conversations. And so for me, this is like my chance to take those to the rest of the world, if you will. That's right. Yep. No, I love it. It's just, I mean, I, you know, I feel the same way and that's why, you know, I've realized over the years the, the unique environments that I've been in and I, and I started realizing it, not even necessarily just real estate, but just general population and friends and community. Like I'd have conversations about places I had been and things that I had heard and people were looking at me like I was crazy. Like you got to share some of that stuff. Like, cause you know, you think back to your home hometown or, or where you, you know, where you were raised, like a lot of people don't get the opportunities that we do in real estate to connect with so many people. Totally true. So do me a favor, walk me through your career in real estate. Like talk to me, when did you get into real estate? Just give us the reader's digest version of Chris year one decides to get into real estate. And yeah. let's talk about what's on tap for like with the big move you made and then what's on tap for 2019. Love it, man. Uh, so, so we, uh, so I started in May, 2009. Um, it, like most people that get into real estate, it wasn't the plan. Uh, I have, uh, I have two education degrees. So I was going to be a teacher. I have a passion for helping others. Like I truly love helping others. Like you had mentioned, like giving back to the industry. I love that. Um, and like six months into real estate, like I was really starting to pick up some steam. And, and one of the most difficult times in, in you know, modern day history for real estate, um, there weren't a lot of opportunities. There was all negative news. Um, I remember going to a short sale seminar and an agent in another office at the same brokerage I was at. Um, he had a smart, smart business uh, plan. Basically, what he did is he put on these seminars and he'd have agents that would say, oh, you know what? We'd rather just refer that to him rather than do it ourselves. And, and we were still close enough to where the market, you know, that, that really high peak of 2005, six and seven, where a lot of the traditional agents are like, I'm not going to do short sales. Like, that's not what I want to do. And so when I went to this seminar, um, I left going, I can do it better. And I was a few, you know, maybe six months into the business. I had no idea what I was doing. I don't even know why I thought I could do it better. I didn't even know real estate, let alone short sales or technology or marketing. And I just taught myself. I taught myself how to do short sales. I taught myself how to market. I remember, you know, I would, I would get home at 11 o'clock at night and that's when the work would actually start. I'd have WordPress sites. I couldn't afford to hire anyone in, in the States. I had people that I was outsourcing from all these different areas. I had people that were syndicating links and websites and landing pages. And within 12 months, I was the number one short sale agent in the state of Minnesota. And I ranked number one on Google organically for every single keyword you could think of that, you know, involved short sales. So then I wrote, uh, then I wrote a book, a short sale book, which became a bestseller. Uh, and then I used that as sort of a listing tool. Every appointment I went on, I'm like, well, I wrote the book 
on short sales, you know, as a homeowner's guide to short sales. Um, you know, so I wrote the book, then I hired an assistant, uh, and a, and a phenomenal assistant. I hired an assistant and, and then what happened is, is it, I think if I remember back, right, 2012, I sold a hundred houses and those are short sales. So short sales, you know, they're about eight month average closing time. Frame. Oh yeah. So, so fun, was, right? Yes. Yeah, so that was like 2012. So I sold a hundred houses, just an assistant and I, we were generating tons and tons and tons of short sale listing opportunities. Um, but as those that have been in the business for a while know, not all of them closed, you know, so you had to take way more than weren't actually closed, whether the bank was going to approve them, the hardship wasn't hardship, wasn't legitimate, whatever it may be. So, so I got, so then I got into, um, then I got into short sales. I was really starting to get my, my rhythm. I remember, you know, I remember going to the office like 7 a.m. and just grabbing eight listing packets a day and just going to list eight short sales a day. And then 2013, I sold 147 houses um, with just uh, just an assistant and I, wow. and and I and I started to feel the market turn. I, I really didn't know, still didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I, I didn't understand like you know what my vision was, like what real estate looked like in a different environment. This is the only real estate world that I had lived in was really like a very negative short sale foreclosure era. I didn't know what a traditional market looked like, but I knew that the market was starting to change. And so along in, in those time periods, what I started doing is I started marketing those properties as Chris Lindell sold another one, another one, 10 more, 20 more. But I never, I, I then removed the word shorts, the word short sale from it. And I just, they, they started like, and so what happened, and it's kind of where I feel like we're going to be headed not long from now, but when you're the only person that has a source of like positive news in the real yeah. estate market, everyone starts to attract you because they're like, Chris Lindahl is selling everything and no one else can sell anything. So, and, and so then I started really doing that. I started getting a video. I was awful. Like I was absolutely terrible. I locked myself in a room with a DSLR camera and like 10 outfit changes. And I'd shoot hundred videos a day on different short sale topics. They'd be like 10 to 15 seconds. And they were so bad. I couldn't even barely get 15 seconds done because I was so terrible at doing video. Um, and so I was doing all these videos and I was like, okay, I got to start changing into a traditional market, start changing 2014, started to get better, started to get off the short sale, started to give less focus to the short sale market. I sold 175 houses in 2014 with my assistant. Um, and then, then it, then it became like, I need help. Like I need, I need to, I really need to change my, my model. I can't, I can't work any more hours. I can't do any more business. And, and so then in, in January of 2015, I started the Chris Lindell team um, at our previous brokerage. And then I believe, yeah, we, and, and so 2015, I think we had five or six agents. We sold 369 houses in 2015 is our first year as a team. And what, what, what I realized was, is the amount of opportunities that I was losing years prior by not scaling up and hiring. And I, I didn't have any mentors. I didn't have anyone to train me on like how to build a team. Like I had no idea who to hire. I remember when I hired my admin back in 2010, I was totally freaked out. Like how I pay for this? Like, and I think a lot of people watching can probably relate to that. But, but then I started a team in, in, in January of 15 and things were going super well. I think we went three, nine and 15. And then we went 600 and some 600, 700, 800, uh, you know, this year, um, depending on how the rest of Q4 lands will be somewhere right around 1300, uh, transactions. And so one thing that I've always been really focused on because just throwing numbers out there, if you have 400 agents, isn't very impressive. 
I've been really focused on per agent production. So our per agent production has always been above 30 an agent. Like I've always really been focused on super high performers. And I think in this world, like we all get lost in the real estate world of like, oh, I want to be like that team or that team's number one. That's impressive, but they're not profitable. They don't have a split model that's conducive to the future. And they have three or 400 agents. So they look like they're the top, you know, the king of the hill or queen of the hill. But the challenge is, is that they really don't even have a business. It's just a loose collection of people all over the place. Yeah. And I never wanted to have that environment. I think that's really smart, Chris. And, and it's, um, that's the problem sometimes when we have people up on stage or, you know, even on a podcast like this, like without knowing the context behind what's happening. So it's really easy to go, wow, 1300 transactions. That's amazing. And by the way, it is totally awesome. But without knowing the context behind it of, hey, there's this many agents and there was a buildup over the years. Like It's not like you woke up and all of a sudden you were selling 1,300 homes a year with this big, massive no, team, right? There, right? there is a progression and people have to understand, you also have a lot on the line as well when you when you have not only the cost into people, but the cost into marketing and infrastructure, et cetera. And, and some of us just go like, let's look at that top line number. That's so amazing. It's like, you know, I was at a... Um, I was at a big mastermind event this weekend where they do an annual event and the the host always says, you know, like all you guys are doing the math, but none of you do the addition um, or see, you all do the math, but none of you do the subtraction. Sorry. So you all counted up how much you all paid to be here, but then you no one did the subtraction of all the other things that has to go into this. And I think sometimes as realtors, we tend to do that. We see a guy on stage or we see a gal on stage or on a podcast and we go, wow, she's killing it. They're doing 300 transactions, but What's the what, like? What's the math equation behind those three hundred transactions? Because yeah. certainly, like you alluded to, there's a plenty of people that are not profitable, but they've got really big top line numbers. Um, there's some people that go, they're not profitable, but what we don't realize is there's a whole other play that that business that that feeds. And I, I think that um, understanding the context of where we're coming from as other real estate professionals is super important if we're going to actually learn something from them that we could then take and implement into our business. Yeah, for sure. I, I, the one thing that I would, I, I always warn people is be careful who you model your business after, yeah. like make sure you know the facts of what's actually happening. Cause you're right. The front end can look far more attractive than what's really happening on the back end. And, and so right now we have just over 40 agents um, just in context to, to get to those numbers, which is 30 plus per agent production for the year. And the per agent production is always interesting in an organization, whether it be a brokerage or a team, because it's how you're always chasing that number because you, it's, you have people coming in at all parts of the year. So, so it's always difficult, right? So per, our per agent production could look significantly higher if we look at where we were January 1st to where we are today. Yeah. And then and you got to look at like the runtime. There's a whole lot of things that you can do there. And I think it's, I just, I think what you're saying, and at least what I'm hearing from you is it's really important to understand the whole story, not just like the stage talk numbers, but what are the, what's the behind the story? Um, Because as I'm sure, you know, like one of the things is you got to worry about per agent productivity and you always want to make that better. And also at the same time, on some level, you also have to not let that be the thing that drives you totally. Right. Because you you can't, somebody said, I'm not going to, I heard somebody say to me, I'm not going to drag you to the start line or across the finish line. Oh, and we, like can't, that. we can't do that with the people we're in business, right? We, we got to meet them at the start line and cross the finish line together though. I've always, yeah, so true. I've always wanted to be surrounded with true high performers. Like I've had no interest in having a brokerage with, you know, agents that are just, you know, somewhat there, somewhat checked in, somewhat out, like part-time. I have no interest in any of that. 
our team is built on all rock stars that like that perform at the highest level and they're super talented. And one interesting thing about like when you look at scaling your organization, because there's people watching in all different levels here, if you decide that you want to have a team or maybe you want to have an admin or a few agents, or you want to have a massive team, like that's the beauty of this industry is you can do whatever you want. Um, is you really have to know like what your core values and like where you're trying to go. Because for us, like when I look at our high performers, I be- I solely believe one of the biggest reasons why we have so many high performers is because we hire to our core values. And so we end up with like-minded people in our organization. And I, and I look back to when I first started, I didn't have any core values. I didn't know why I was doing it. I was just hiring people based on like how I felt about them, how I met them. I had no assessments. I didn't have anything. And so, but once you really get a real good understanding of like what you're trying to do as an organization, then what happens is you put messaging out, you put videos out, you put posts out and those start, those types of people start showing up because they're attracted to the values and to the, to the branding that you're, that you're putting out on, on the internet. Okay. So, so let's go there. Cause I want to lead into a story. So let's talk about branding and kind of some of the stuff you're putting out there. Um, so what, like, where does the Chris Lindahl spend their marketing money? Like, I, I don't need the dollars, but like, where do, where do you put that into it and why, why do you put it there? Yeah. So, so where we are today is obviously where we weren't when we started. And so I think that's, it was so, you know, when you mentioned earlier, the start line versus the finish line and go back to the beginning, it's so smart because everyone looks at where we are today and they try to do what we're doing today and they don't realize it took us seven years to get to this point. And so when I looked to when I first started, it was strictly Facebook uh, and Craigslist was a, was a thing then. And uh, I had, you know, I had towers all over the place, just posting nonstop, you know, in the early days. But my, but the beautiful thing about social media and Facebook back then is you could, you could post something and the organic reach was through the roof. It reminds me a lot like how Snapchat was for a while, how LinkedIn, how a lot of these are and these platforms change, but you get so much free reach because those, those platforms and those organizations want to get you hooked. They want sticky content. They want you to stay. So I didn't know any better, but I just happened to be on Facebook when it kind of first started to take off. So I'd post something, I'd get five, 600 likes, you know, the algorithm would show to everyone and it would just nonstop. Like I get so much engagement and over time, what's happened is they've slowly taken away that reach where now it's really hard for me to get 200 likes. Like it's very difficult to get 200 likes on a post. But what I did in that time is I built my Facebook business page on a lot of that organic reach. So now I have 38,000 likes on the Chris Lindahl real estate page, whereas that would cost people millions of dollars to build that today if they had to pay for those likes. And I was fortunate enough to build that in a time where the organic reach allowed my business page to reach those people without putting dollars behind it. So that was a really big marketing uh, piece for us. And then it started to evolve into radio and TV and billboards. And billboards were the last thing that we did. And I think what's ha- it's, that's always fascinating. So I, I watch other people in our market put one or two billboards up here or there. They did, they did for a while. Now they're gone. And there's something interesting about that. One is they didn't have a brand to support that billboard. And the, the big thing about billboards is it's an integrated approach. Like they see you on social, they hear you when you're driving, all these different angles and all of it together work the direct mail, the listing signs, the sold signs, the just sold, the emails, the videos. All of it works well together, but it doesn't work. It doesn't work well at all independently. And so people see the last thing we did, which was billboards, and they threw some up, and it lasted for a few months, and they took them down because nothing happened. 
And I think that's the biggest challenge in, in marketing is that you have to be willing to lose money for 12 months plus before you actually get into the positive. And so, so billboards happen to be the last thing we did. And we have a really full integrated approach to everything we do. And in the marketing that we, that we do today is we really try to focus on things that are relevant to the consumer today, like where they're at, what they're doing. Um, and so, you know, if there's something in the, in the market or there's something that's happening in our community that we need to talk about, I'll get on video, talk about it. We may change a billboard to talk about it. We may talk about it on radio. We're always trying to meet people at something that they're passionate about. I love that, man. I, I love that you're willing to, to just get up and go to where people are and you see an opportunity to bring some information, bring some value. And sometimes you just bring some comedy, right? And to, and to bring a laugh with it. And it's going to, it's going to number one, enhance your brand and what you're doing, but it's also going to enhance that person and that consumer with where they're at in life and in their journey right now. Yeah. Self-deprecation is one of the best things that you can do. I mean, you look at a social media video and what the blooper or that has something funny that happens usually converts higher than one that's just like put together, highly produced. Like people want real. They don't, they don't want that. They don't want that super, super produced over the top production. They want to see what like, it looks like to be like reality TV, essentially. Totally agree. Well, man, um, one thing I was going to add to the, the the billboards that I think if, you know, for those of you that are watching in different markets where I, I found this to be very effective, if you're the first to come to the market with something that hasn't been seen for a while or is different, there's what's called first mover advantage. And so for me, like when I rolled out billboards and we put them out everywhere and when people started to copy me, what happened is we started getting calls off of their billboards because people are driving and they, and they just kind of see something happening. And, and so if you're doing something that's unique and then people start to copy you in your market, that's usually a good thing because the consumer won't be able to tell the difference and they'll, and they'll start telling you that they're calling you from places where you're not located or things that you're not doing because it just starts to play in the background. It's like, oh, that's another Chris Lindahl one. That's another Chris Lindahl one. And that you can't tell the difference. And that's why it's hard to go and compete against someone that has already done something. It's better to carve your own path than to go and play the same game that they're playing. Yeah, the only way to beat somebody who's established at, their, at the game they're already playing is to just be willing to outspend them for a lot longer, right? <clears throat> yep. And we already know it's expensive enough at, no matter where you start. And so to do that, that's like the reality is most of us aren't, aren't going to do that. So, okay, so, but it was the billboards that like really brought some national attention to, to you here recently. Yeah. Um, tell me about that, man. Like, I know the story, but I'd love for you to share uh, the, the, the billboard, man, the picture of you just right up there, right up yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so we've had a couple. So I'll start with the first one. And it was uh, last year, NFC Championship game. We were playing the New Orleans Saints um, at home. And Stefan Diggs scored with like seven seconds left, three seconds left, a touchdown to win the game. Oh, I'm sorry. It was a game before the championship game. So a game before the championship game. And, and right before that game started, I said, what, like everything in the town was purple. People were crazy about Vikings. I posted on social media. I said, if the Vikings win this game, Chris Lindahl is going to turn all of his billboards purple. And so like, what are the odds that we win with like a few seconds left? People are so jacked. I mean, half the people left the stadium because they thought season was over. And then the last play of the game, he scores like all the way down the field. And I had already had the design and everything done. Um, and and they, they won. So I put it up on all the billboards in the Twin Cities. And then on, on Wednesday of that week, uh, the week prior to the NFC Championship game, where the Minnesota Vikings were playing the Philadelphia Eagles, 
I decided that I was going to try to put a billboard up in Philadelphia. And <laughs> when I say try, it was not easy. Like it was very, very difficult. And so I, I, I hired a company, a billboard company out there, which I won't name. And everything was good. But so we hired the, the company, but we didn't show the creative until after we had the contract signed. And so when we submitted the billboard creative, which was me and purple and Vikings and everything else, um, they rejected it. They said that they weren't willing to take that risk for their billboard. They thought that their billboard would get tore down by Philadelphia fans. That was the excuse that they gave me. So it's now Thursday afternoon when we get that news. Um, and, and so most of the billboard organizations are only open Monday through Friday. So I have about maybe a, maybe a quarter of a day left to get this done. So I call another company, sign the contract, submit the creative. Nope, not interested. The last one I do, they, they have their legal department look at it right away. This time I was up front, said, here's the creative, like, here's what we're trying to do. And they said, yeah, no, we're, we're we can't reject you for that. We're, we're totally fine. It ended up being the best location of all of them too. Um, and it was right outside the, it was right outside the stadium. And so here's what's interesting. So I took a flight there. I'm like, I'm going to take a picture, but I didn't tell anyone I was going. I didn't tell one person other than the one person I was with that I was going to the game. I didn't say nothing to anyone. And I landed and, and, and as I was coming, I remember as I was descending to land, I was looking at my phone and I was like, I need to make sure that I get the right Uber driver that's not a Philadelphia fan. So I'm ordering Ubers. I'm looking at them like, ah, maybe that person's from here. Maybe they're not. And, and I call the guy and I'm like, hey, we're at the airport. Are you a Philadelphia Eagles fan? And he's like, no, 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 no. And then, he, and then we get, when he comes to pick us up, he actually was a fan. But I said, hey, we've got to go over to, uh, I think it was the exit was Broad Street. I said, we got to go park on the side of the road. He had no idea what we were doing or why. I was wearing a purple shirt. I don't think he even connected the two that I was a Vikings fan. So we had a over right on the side of the shoulder, right at the exit. And I stood out there with my arms out and, and matched and mimicked the billboard pose that I did. And I remember all of the Philadelphia fans that were driving, like exiting the stadium right there next to me, just yelling and screaming and honking. I had my hands out wide open. And, and we, got the, we got the billboard done and it was – it was probably the best thing I ever did. And the reason it was so effective wasn't because I put a billboard outside that stadium and it wasn't for the fans um, that were at that stadium from Minnesota. Cause there weren't very many where we really won is through social media. And we use the years and years of relationships that I've built built in the twin cities and twin cities, Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul area. And what I did is I reached out to every single social influencer I knew. And I said, hey have, you, hey, have you seen the billboard that I put up in Philadelphia yet? And it started getting retweet, retweet, retweet. It was getting posted on social, Facebook, Instagram. And then a couple of key people in the Vikings organization drove by it on the way to the stadium and took pictures. Here's where the suspense was. So the Eagles fans were claiming on social media that it was fake. And so they're like, no, we, that's not by the stadium. I've been there before. And the Eagles fans that are, that are, that are passing judgment on this are ones that now live in Minnesota that probably don't even remember what the stadium looks like or where the exits are. And so they're all commenting, this is total hoax, blah, 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 blah. And so there was this like, there was this moment where people were like, this is so funny. But then there was like, is this real? And then when people started tweeting it, when they started showing up in Philadelphia, then it became a reality. And, and so it was all over the news, national news. It went absolutely everywhere. But at that moment, everyone was super passionate about purple. And that's why it worked. I love it, man. You got behind something that it's like some people, it'd be easy to dismiss that as 
Yeah, well, it's football. It's not my thing. But you, you got behind something that your community was behind. Yes. And you took advantage of a situation that I also think it's worth pointing out. The only reason you could take advantage of that is because, number one, you'd been in that community for a long time. You have built relationships with the people that could help you push that. And, you, like, essentially, it's when luck is when, you know, preparation meets opportunity, right? And you had all of those factors rolling into it. And so it turned out to be a big splash for you. And uh, that's just something I love because it's easy to go. The picture of you right there in front of the billboard with your arms spread wide, that's awesome. And that doesn't become that big of a thing if you don't have years and years and years of relationship building and uh, really having yourself out there, man. Like you've had your, your butt out there on the line for a number of years, reputation, name, face, everywhere around that town for your business representing something. And so it totally paid off for you that day. And I, I absolutely love that. Plus yeah, it's just like a fun story. It is. Here's the second one. The second one is equally important for different reasons. So there was a billboard up outside of uh, target center in Minneapolis where the Timberwolves play. And so we have the Minnesota Lynx, which is, which is uh, the women's basketball organization. And then we have the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is the men's. And there was a like a mural on the side of a wall on the wall, which was Maya Moore. Maya Moore is was the WMVP uh, WNBA MVP this year. She plays for the Lynx, Minnesota Lynx. And so it was like anything is possible. It's like she's on the Jordan branch. She had her arms out holding basketballs, kind of like the Michael Jordan pose. The city of Minneapolis took it down after one day. So it was up one day. I started getting tagged on social media, and people said, "If anyone can save this thing, it's Chris Lindahl. He has all the billboards." And so I went immediately into action and I, I, I committed to different locations where I worked with Michael Jordan's brand. It was really difficult to get done. I worked with Michael Jordan's brand, the PR company, the WNBA. I worked with the Minnesota Lynx, the Minnesota Timberwolves to get this through. It took us about a month and a half to get approved. And we got it approved just before the, the WNBA All-Star game, which happened to be in Minnesota. And so we got it approved. We put the billboards up because one thing that like, so I have a nine-year-old daughter. One thing that's like super important to me is like to show her that like anything is possible. And I think that like female, you know, inequality is a really big thing right now. You know, most of our leadership organization is female and I truly believe in female leadership, but I think there's a lot of people that don't. And so I wanted to take a stance because I feel like 10 years ago, you would never see a female basketball star on a billboard. Like it was just not something where we weren't at that place in our country where we saw that. So the, the fact that I had the opportunity to, to make a difference and to bring that back for the fans and, and for all the little girls. So I put one up and then what happened was, is then another market, someone asked me if I'd be willing to bring one there. So then I was like, well, then I'll bring one there. And so it got tons of media coverage. I got to see a lot of, uh, you know, basketball kids that showed up that like saw like Maya Moore on the billboard. And those things are like super important to me. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people would have said like, oh, what's in it for me? What am I going to gain? And would have never went anywhere. And for me, like, it's what we live for, like in our company about being generous and giving back. And so I thought like, I'm just going to make a difference. I'm not asking for anything. I didn't put my logo on it. I didn't brand it to me. Like, I just want to do the right thing for the community. I think a lot of watching can do a lot more in their community. And those things go so far when you're out helping others and you're spreading that gratitude, it makes a huge difference. Absolutely. I love that, man. I love, you mentioned your daughter too, because I've seen her in some different pictures and whatnot with the billboards. And so oh, yeah. I love that. You said something else a minute ago. You talked about being generous and can we see your shirt real quick? Can we see? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I wear this go. every day. I so wear I need, this every day. Not the I same need, one. 
same one, same here, man. I got I got different one of the same of the same shirt. Yeah. So mine doesn't say be generous, yours does. Tell me about be generous. Like, what does that mean to you? Like, what are you what are you trying to accomplish with that? Yeah. So so as I look at where we started with our core values and where we are today, this one has really rose up uh, ahead of the others. And and what I've always said is like we all have our time, treasures, and talents to give back. And so it's the people that we've brought in our organization, like incredible human beings stand for those same things. And so what's so fascinating is watching the things that they're doing. We had an agent last night that posted something uh, that she did for children's hospital where she donated $7,000 to children's hospital. And I've watched others like don't we had um, the other day, we had two agents that went to the humane society live to show, to show, the actual dogs and cats that you can adopt today at the Humane Society. Those kind of things have taken a life of their own. And, and that's what I stand for. That's what our organization stands for. And like, if someone in our organization doesn't stand for that and doesn't fit that, they won't be there because that's what we truly believe in. What I've seen for forever is I go to an organization, you know, I might be speaking in an organization, I go to their office and I see plaques on the walls of these core values and not one person can even recite what they are. I mean, they're so complicated. There's usually 50 of them and there's missions and this and that. And it's way too complex that no one has any idea what's actually happening, including our organization. Ours need to, we need to revamp ours again. It, we've, we've changed ours now four times because they continually change as the organization scales and grows, different things start to show up. And we're always looking for those commonalities of what we stand for together. And so that's where I said the be generous one really has taken a life of its own. And I've just watched too many organizations that aren't generous enough with their time and their talents and their treasures. Like we've been given a, an amazing opportunity in this world. And I watch so many self-centered people in real estate that just try to take all the gold and not share anything with anyone. And it's like, you know, if you want to get further in life, you have to go together. You're not going to go very far alone. And also, if you don't know what you stand for and you don't have people around you that stand for those same things, you're going to burn out. Like you're going to fall flat on your face at some point. You're going to get to the level where you made enough money. And that's the, the challenge. Is like you get to a point where you have less money, but then you're empty and you have nothing because there has to be more or you sell your company or or whatever you do next, you open a brokerage and you get to that level where you always thought, on to be, and then you get there, and then you buy the jet, and then you buy the car, and you buy the house, and you have all these things, and really you're so empty at the same time. And so that's for me, like I'm not motivated by money. I'm motivated on how big of an impact I can make with the treasures that we generate. Like that's what matters to me. And I think that too many people are like, oh, well, I made this much, and I did this, and I got this award. I'm like, I don't really care about any of those awards. What I care about is if I'm making an impact every day. I love that. So you said something. I heard. I heard another interview with you where where you talked about your core values. You talked about yeah. I was like everyone else. I just googled core values and I took some off of Google, right? And put those on the wall, and we had to start changing them. Like, how does that evolve? Like, how did you decide, or how did you guys as an organization decide what your core values are and and how you're going to to share those? Uh, with your organization. So really you have massive buy-in. And I've been around people in your organization and to say that they have buy-in would be an understatement. So I, I can say uh, at, with absolute certainty, I know that it's working for you and yet you want to take it to another level. How, how do you do that? 
Yeah. So I, uh, you know, when I look back to the core values we initially had, which I couldn't even name one of them, that's how bad it was. Um, <laughs> it's funny. I just, there was a moment where I was like, we don't even stand for any of this. Like, like I just was looking at this. I'm like, this isn't even who we are. Like none of it is, you know? And, and so that's where the real work comes in is you have to sit down and, and for us, this organization isn't about Chris Lindahl anymore. It's about everyone in the organization, plus all of their families, plus our clients, plus our community, our supporters. This is about all their families. This isn't about me. And so you have to, you can't look at your core values. This is like, Hey, who is Chris? Like you have to look at like, what does everyone in the organization stand for collectively together? And that's hard, deep work. Like that's not easy stuff to do, you know? And then, and then what happens is certain people, you know, you start to look and you're like, man, is that person uh, a fit? Like, and then, and then the challenge comes like, I don't think that person fits what we're doing anymore, you know? And that's, and that can be very, very difficult. And so some of those people, like you have to, you have to love them out. Like there's some of my good friends where I, I just said, Hey, this isn't, this isn't right. Like this isn't, this doesn't work for us. And, and I love those people today and I'm, and I honor their commitments to our organization and they helped us get to where we are, but it's, it's not good for the organization to have people in there that don't stand collectively for the same thing. Like you sort of, and we had the opportunity to obviously talk to George McPhee, who is the Vegas Knights GM. He said something to me before, before he went on stage. And it's something that I've witnessed all over the country. I've witnessed at every single sports organization, the best locker room wins every single time. It's not the most talented organization. And some of you watching probably have that person in your brokerage or on your team that's just like way over the top maniac, probably the top salesperson, but disrupting the place at all time, complaining about things, ungrateful, always wants more, could be a super good person, just such a high driver that they can't control themselves. And so I I think of, and I look at the sport, sporting teams that I, the sports teams I was a member of and the ones that I'm fans of, I can tell you every single time if we're going somewhere or not based on the personalities in that organization. And it's yeah. the same thing with the, with the real estate company or, or, or any business, you know, or any small business that, you know, that you, that you own. Like if you don't have the right culture in that locker room, you'll never win the championship. And I look at, you know, I, I look at the Vegas Knights and there's so many examples throughout the years, but once you start, once you start playing past ex, the expectations everyone has for you, it's like you're playing with nothing to lose. And that's where you become like the real underdog of like, let's go out there. Like, We've got nothing to lose. Now the challenge is this year. Now they're, they were, now they're fake. Now they're like, oh, well, they went to the Stanley Cup finals. Now the expectations didn't even expect the playoffs. And yeah. so you can really build some solid culture around being counted out or being the underdog or whatever it is, or, or leaving that brokerage or getting kicked out of that brokerage or wherever it might be for people that are watching and listening to this story. Those things can make a big difference to have those moments in your career where it's like, it's that, just that chip that you have on your shoulder that like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to prove them wrong. They doubted me this, they said that. And those are the kind of people I want in my organization that have some sort of chip on their shoulder from something, maybe when they were younger, their mom or dad or grandpa or teacher, someone said, you're never going to be anything like, and they have something to prove. Yep. I love that, man. Well, hey, I know we're winding down. I promise I wouldn't take up your entire day. Winding down? I thought we were winding up, man. So, dude, tell me. <laughs> well, speaking of winding up, though, like, what's what's 2019? What what does 2019 have in store? Not not just for uh, your real estate team. I mean, we could talk about that too. But like, what are you focused on personally in tw- as we hit 2019? 
around the corner. Where, where are you leading your yeah. organization and what, are you, what is Chris Lindahl yeah. looking to accomplish in 2019? Awesome. Great question. So our real estate company is just going to continue to kill it. Uh, we have the most amazing people in our organization and leaders and like that, that company has a life of its own. I mean, we have just amazing people in that organization. I'm just so grateful to be a part of it. The other thing that I've been working really hard on is my Behind the Billboard podcast. So like that's really been super passionate to me. And, and what's interesting about it is I've had so many people that say like, why are you doing this? Like, why would you share what you've learned? This doesn't make sense. And, and it's just back to like the whole generosity of like giving back, you know, the treasures and the talent and, the, and all in the time is I feel like I can make such an impact for so many people at different levels of business. And I think I've found is like good leadership and good leadership education doesn't exist. Like everyone in our industry has been talking about leads and lead platforms and recruiting and all this stuff, but no one ever talks about like, how do you become a better person? How do you lead people? And let's be honest, I don't know many people in real estate today that are running teams or brokerages that have had any leadership training at all. Like none, they weren't set up. They never owned a business. They had no experience running a business. <clears throat> so I've watched this happen and I've watched so many horrible leaders. It's not that they couldn't be good leaders if they got the right education, but they can't even be vulnerable with themselves. They can't even look in the mirror and be comfortable with what they're doing. And so I've done a lot of this work and it wasn't easy work. And I still have my hiccups all the time. Like I'm still striving every day to become better and better and better. But I wanted to put something out there that could make an impact around the country for business leaders. And I didn't want to do business owners because there are some organizations where maybe you're not the owner, maybe you're the CFO or the CIO or COO, or maybe you're the VP or whatever it may be. I want to do something for emerging business leaders and also super successful business leaders because even a super successful business leader has room to grow. Like we always have room to grow and we can pick up little things here and there that can make a huge difference. So I put together this behind the billboard podcast where I'm going to interview all of the top business leaders that I know for different reasons. And honestly, very few of them are actually in real estate because I actually think that the leadership outside of real estate has far surpassed the leadership in real estate. Oh, and, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. And so, so, so I, so I'm now out going and using all the connections and, and the relationships to your point of years and years and years of traveling around the country, speaking and, and doing real estate and connecting and networking with others I'm using every single relationship I have to bring the best talent to this podcast for free. I have no monetization plan. I have no plan for any coaching, no plan for any leadership classes, nothing. I just want to give back at the highest level. I'll tell you like that podcast is, if you look on iTunes, every single episode has had popularity at hundred percent, like every single one of them. And we had talked earlier, we haven't done any promoting, any marketing, like that thing is naturally growing into one of the top podcasts. It will be one of the top podcasts because I'm so committed to going out and venturing out because I'm also learning at the same time. I think that a lot of times just because I might happen to be the podcast host doesn't necessarily mean I have it all figured out. I'm taking notes every single interview I do. I bring them back to my company. I bring them back to myself personally. And that's what I'm really focused on is this podcast. And so I'm just grateful for the, all the people that have left five-star reviews and, and have uh, subscribed. And we've also, this is what I really underestimated from the network that I've built around the country is I can't believe the speaker suggestions that I'm getting on behindthebillboard.com, my website. Like I have some awesome speakers come. I mean, I'm top, talking like top CEOs in the country of really big companies where someone listening, not even in real estate connected and listening and said, I love this podcast. I think you should interview this person. 
And so that's the power of, in our business, that's the power of social media. Like whether it's a real estate business, whether it's outside of that, we're so connected and it's so easy to connect with others that we can do a lot more than we're doing today. Yeah, man, I, I love that. You know, I was mentioning, like I was, I was just at an event this past weekend with uh, business leaders from like probably literally hundreds of different uh, industries and probably 10 different countries, um, all sorts of different entrepreneurs. And, you know, that's probably the one thing that, that I have really strived for the last couple of years the most is I've done some, I'll call it like generic leadership training quite a bit over the years. And that's been something really important to me. But then also to go hear from business leaders outside of the industry, because there's so much we can learn about our own business by talking to other people who are at the top of their game and whatever their niche is. Like, I'm, I don't care if they're engineers or if they're internet marketers, they're copywriters, or if they're, if they sell coffee, doesn't matter. There's something that we can pick up and learn that we could actually bring back to, to the people around us every day that I think can benefit us all. You know, what's, what's fascinating about what you just said there. And this is where, cause, cause I'll, I'll speak to organizations outside of real estate all the time. And everyone always tells me and including agents and teams and brokers. One of the number one things that I hear is that you don't understand it's different every <laughs> single time. Everywhere I am, my market's different. I'm in this market. That won't work here. Or, or they don't use the phones here. They use this. Or they only use the phones. They still use the yellow pages. And, and what's fascinating about it is they're still people. Like, they're all people. So much of what we're doing is interchangeable in so many different industries. And so it's smart for you to go and reach out to, to people outside the industry. And, and for those of you that are watching, you know, the markets are interchangeable. I mean, they're all human beings. What? Listen, you might be in a luxury market and maybe they have a higher net worth, but they still communicate. They're still people. Maybe they communicate a little bit differently, but they still communicate. And it's always interesting when I get that response because then I just say, well, tell me what's so different. And guess what? It's the same thing that happens everywhere. And it's the same challenges that everyone has. Of course it is. <laughs> I love that. That's my favorite one. You don't understand. It's different here. Yeah. <laughs> I, love I love that response. All right, man. So I, 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 I asked this question to everybody because it's important to me. I got it from somebody who's made an impact in my life by the name of a guy by the name of Dave Asprey, who also has a podcast um, called Bulletproof Radio. And, uh, and the question is simply this, Chris. If I came to you and I said, hey, Chris, I need give me your top three tips for just kicking ass at life, like in bed, like just in general, being better at life. I don't care if we're talking about real estate, personal life, business, whatever, you name it. Um, but what are your top three tips to somebody that comes to you and says, hey, I just... I, I want to do better. I want to be better. I want to have better. Yeah. Great, great, great question. So number one is sort of generosity tied into gratitude. Like yeah. I think those two for me together are the most important. Like if you don't have some sort of like plan to give back and to make a difference, then why are you doing this? Like it, it's, it's going to become very empty when you achieve that level of success that you actually think that's what success looks like. Success to me is making an impact. And, and what I love, it is I love making an impact when people don't know that it's even me. Yeah. I love being in an environment where they don't know it's Chris Lindahl and where I can just do a couple extra things for people that will have that moment together and we'll probably never see each other again. I love those moments where you can do something where no one's watching. Like those are the moments like, listen, if I get on stage and I say something about gratitude and generosity, like I knew what stage I was going to be on. I know who's going to be in the audience. That's really easy to do. But if I go do something backstage when I don't think one person's watching 
and I help someone do something or give someone a piece of advice, that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in moments where you don't think anyone is watching. So, so that gratitude and, and generosity. The next one is joy. Like you have to have some fun. Like you have to do things that bring joy internally to you because like if every day is like you wake up and you're like, why am I doing this? This is terrible. Like I don't enjoy it. I can't stand the company I work for. I can't stand the people I work for. I can't stand my clients. They're all complaining. This is terrible. Why am I in this business? It's not very enjoyable. Like, and start to focus on like what brings you joy, whether that's go out in the community and volunteer, which ties into the generosity and the gratitude, or if that's going to a concert or an event or putting a team event together, whatever that is, spending time with your family, whatever that is, you have to figure out how to bring some joy. Like if you don't have joy, like you're going to end up really flat. The third one is, is really that drive, like that internal drive. Like it's very hard to find someone that's super successful. That's not driven. Like if you don't have drive and like, you're not like, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to wake up in the morning at five in the morning. I'm going to do 15 miles and I'm going to go do this. I'm going to have my spinach shake and I'm going to go to the office and I'm just going to crush it all day. Like if you don't have that drive, you can have as much joy as you want. You can have the gratitude and generosity. But if you don't actually want to go do something, and one of my favorite quotes is, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work. Like every single time, I'll take someone that is less talented that works harder than someone that is more talented that works less. Every single time. And that's what, what for me, what I've learned is like, the talent doesn't mean much of anything because I think a lot of people watching can all relate to someone that they know that is the most super talented person they've ever met that's now 45 years old and is almost homeless because yeah. like they just can't get up and they don't have that inner drive. And, and I always look for people that are like, don't even need to set an alarm clock. They just wake up Jack to go like, I'm going to crush life. I'm going to get after it. And, and so those are, those are my three. And I think if you have those three together, it's going to be impossible to not be successful. Uh, man, I, I totally agree. I, I love that. And just on a, on a note, you said like number two, joy, uh, like when I think of you, like, like I think of that word, like you're, awesome, man. dude, every time I've seen you, whether in person or, uh, even in a picture, like you look joyful all the time. And I could yeah. tell, I could tell that you're having a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, our good mutual friend, John, he's always, when he talks about you, like he's got a smile on his face. So yeah. I, like, I know that's real. Like you're really bringing that. Appreciate so. that, man. And the power of smile means so much. Like and we talk about this in our organization all the time. Like you don't know when that, you know, when someone else might need that smile or they might need that that you're going to bring them. I had someone last week that said that I literally changed their lives with literally changed their life with one comment I made. I had no idea that that one comment was even meant to change someone's life. Like, so you just don't know, like someone can be in a real bad, dark spot. And so you, 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 you don't know when you're going to make an impact. And so for me, that's why I said, like, when I wake up in the morning, my whole day is meant to serve and make an impact because I don't know if I'll ever get the feedback of when I actually made the impact. And I think that's the best part about this world is like whether it's social, whether it's gratitude, whether it's joy, generous, generosity, however we spread that information, we are constantly, we constantly have the ability to make an impact. And that's what I love about this world. That's why I did that. Why I'm doing this podcast behind the billboard is because I know I'm making an impact, but I'm not even getting all the feedback of the impact that I'm actually making. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, that is the best feeling. As somebody said something to me the other day, thanked me for something I said or did for them nine years ago. Yeah. And she was like, 
I'll never forget. I said, you know, first of all, you literally just made my day. I never get tired of hearing that. Uh, and I don't mean that from like an ego place, just of knowing like that I said something, I helped you in your business nine, eight or nine years ago, whenever that was. And you thought about it today when we were talking about something totally different. That for me, like really gets me going. And yeah. so that that is so much fun. And I, like you, I, I think I just, I feel like if we just keep putting that out there, keep doing more, keep doing good. Yeah. Um, like the reality is it might not come back from the exact same place, but no. it's going to come back, right? I think of uh, Tim Ferriss as a guy who, who I've learned a lot from over the years uh, through his books and through his podcast. And he talked about like, you know, sometimes if for him, he was talking about money and investments, but he's talking about how like, just because you lose money in one certain place doesn't mean you have to make it back in that same place. He was yeah. referencing, he lost a lot of money in some real estate, but he'd made so much more money in some tech investments, right? And so he went, hold on, I've made my money back. Why am I trying to get my money out of real estate as if the repayment, if you will, or the, the completing or the closing of the loop has to come back through this same exact tunnel or channel? Yeah, I love it. I, it I, had, uh, I wrote, that's so spot on. I wrote something down a couple of years ago at the beginning of the year that, where I felt like I was really missing in life. And, and I'd be in a moment and, and I wish, I, I'd be in a moment, something would happen, my brain would tell me do this and I wouldn't do it because the other side of my brain would say, don't do it. And I'd get home and I'm like, man, I really wish I would have done that. I, I, I wish I would have opened that door. I wish I would have held that door just a little bit longer because they were just a little far out of the distance. And then I let it close or I wish I would have helped bag their groceries or open their car door or whatever it was. And I, and I had all these moments of regret. Like I wish in the moment I would have done that. And so I wrote down that like when you, when now, when I have that feeling like, oh, you should do that. And then it's like, oh no, you should walk away. That now triggers me to go, no, now you stay, you stay put and you do that. And, and with that, the reason that I bring that up is exactly what you just said about someone that shared something, an impact that you made on them nine years ago. I share those stories with people that make an impact with me now where I didn't share them before. Like I just thought of them and now I'm really open and like, I want to let them know that they made a difference in my life and they didn't even know it. Yeah. I love that, man. Uh, I learned that too. So for me going through a lot of different, um, sort of like personal development courses and leadership courses, you know, there's all, oftentimes there, there's um, there's a lot of time to share. And I found myself at first not wanting to share because I didn't want to, you know, talk like everyone else was talking and take up all the time. And, but then what I found is every time I shared something, somebody would be like, oh my gosh, I was thinking the same thing. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. And that was the thing for me where I realized whether it's the opening of the door or saying the thing, I often sometimes you sometimes do the exact same thing where now that triggers and you go, no, do it. Something inside of you, gut feeling, intuition, whatever you want to call it said to do it. I just, I follow that now. And I love that you shared that. I didn't know that about you, Yeah. Um, but that's something that I do as well. And uh, the, I share that because what it's brought me has been like yeah. so much more joy than most other things I've done combined. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and the other thing to, when you have super high drivers and I'm sure there's a lot of really high drivers that are, that are watching this, that want more and continue to want more. Um, another thing that I struggled with was being still and present, like never really like honoring my accomplishments today. I was trying to chase something I couldn't catch and, and I always wanted to be somewhere else. Like, I could be sitting on this podcast right now, but I'd want to be I'm thinking about like, oh, what am I going to do when I get to the office? Or what am I going to do when I get in my podcast? I always wanted to be somewhere else. Like it's because I, I just constantly brain just firing. And so I, I just share this with you because like we, we have to be more still and more present. Like 
People can tell that you're not showing up and you're not present. You're distracted by your phone. You're distracted by thoughts, whatever that is. And so for me, I wrote down a couple of years ago that like you have to be more present and you have to be more still. You can't just continually want to be somewhere you're not. And so I share that hoping that someone will take that information and maybe they're sitting in those shoes today and they and they take action to correct that because beautiful things can show up when you start to get present and start to soak in what's happening around you. Awesome. So uh, before we wind down and end this, uh, behindthebillboard.com, right? Is that what I heard the website is? Yep. Behindthebillboard.com. And then we have a, a Facebook page where we put videos out that we share, which is the Behind the Billboard Facebook page. And then we have the uh, Behind the Billboard podcast, which is in all of the app stores. And you can go directly to behindthebillboard.com to click the episodes. I, like I said earlier, I love five-star reviews uh, if I've earned them yeah. and, 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 and subscribers would be great. I love that. Uh, I love all the people that have been subscribing and it, it motivates me to do more. Yeah, no doubt. I, I love that too. Like that's one of the things where you know, hey, what I'm doing, I'm putting out, it's like somebody did good, even if it's just a five-star review or if it's, yeah. a, or if it's a written review. That's awesome too. Or if it's a share, just one little share. Sometimes you see it. I'm like, ah, man, it made it worth it. I didn't even want to. I didn't even want to put out the content that day or film. You know what's so interesting about that is there's so many things that I've done throughout the years where I thought it was average. You know, where I'm so hypercritical to my work and to what we were going to do, whether it be in the real estate business or having this podcast or whatever. And it's surprising how many times that we're so hypercritical, and it actually is really good, but we're just too close to it. And so what I do often now is if I come up with something that I want to do in our organization, I'll come back and revisit it 30, 30, uh, three to four days later. Like I'll take a few days off and then I'll go back and look at it again. And it's interesting how different you look at it. You're like, wow, that was a terrible idea <laughs> or like it needs to change this way. And before I was just rapid fire and I was missing, I think the actual quality of the work that I was doing because I didn't go back and revisit it. And so I know there's a lot of people watching that get stuck and like trying to be perfect. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. Like you just have to, you have to go and get started. Absolutely, man. There's, you can perfect it later. Just get it out there. That's right. You never know who it's going to impact. And I think there's so much more that can be, that can come of it. Uh, so much more good that can come of it versus the, the realities. We're going to be the only ones criticizing ourselves. That's right. Always. Yeah. So, awesome, bro. Well, Hey dude, thank you so much uh, guys. Uh, do me a favor. If you like this episode at all, go check out behindthebillboard.com. Uh, subscribe and listen to Chris's podcast. Give him some reviews uh, like if he's earned it. And I promise you he will because he works hard at earning it. And uh, and just give him a shout out if you thought this was valuable. So, Chris, thanks for your time, man. I super appreciate it. I'm looking forward to seeing you again yeah. in January. Yeah, no, no. Awesome, man. Thank, thank you so much for, for having me. And if anyone watching this has questions in your group or comments or whatever, they can post in the comment section below once you post this. I'd be glad to step in and answer as many questions I can or send me a message, whatever I can do to help you get to the next level. I'd love to. Right on. Thanks a lot, Chris. All right, guys, you heard it. Open invitation to pick the brain of one of the smartest men in the industry, uh, pick his brain. So uh, take the opportunity. And Chris, thanks a lot, man. Thank have you. A, have a great rest of your day, brother. Yeah, thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for today's show. Do me a favor if you enjoy this, go over to iTunes or wherever you're listening at, leave us a review, share this episode with your friends, and for more great content, check us out in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash next level agents. That's facebook.com forward slash groups next level agents. See you soon.